the only, only guy that cries. But I'm not talking about just crying. I was sobbing because of all the mental anguish that has just gone through me and just, God, where am I? And I can't do this anymore. And I'm one that goes to bed early, guys. I'm in bed by 9 and 10 o'clock at night. This woman, I don't know what time she comes to bed. I'm not even sure other than she, when she comes to bed, other than I see her, she's in my bed when I wake up in the morning. But she comes sometime. Well, she came up that night, and I don't know what time it was, probably 11, 12, somewhere in there. And I had just been crying for hours, and she came up, and I knew what the Holy Spirit said. Ask her to pray for you. And that was humbling in itself, but you have to understand, like, I'm feeling like I want to quit my job. And I can't be honest to the woman who handles the finances of our house to tell her I'm not going to do that anymore and there's not going to be any more money because I don't know where I'm going. But here's the thing. I was obedient and I reached my hand over, still mildly sobbing, and said, will you pray for me? And she sweetly just said, what's going on? Of course, I think she already knew in part, right? Because she's full of the Holy Spirit. But she knew in part and all that fear that I had about the finances, you know what? There was never one mention of what? She never mentioned the finances one time. But what she did is she prayed for me. And when she ended the prayer, whatever, she said, listen to this. God always took care of us before the past. God is taking care of us now. And he's not going to stop in our future. Yeah, amen. So I'm not going to lie, my, my feet were shaking in my boots when I had to tell her. So here's the funny story was, it went a few days, and I still kept my job. And you'd love to hear everything's great, and I'm thriving in my new job, and God just did all that. But that's not what happened. I don't even remember the timeline because I'm terrible at this, so I'm just going to say a week or two, right? Later? Close enough. All right. Thank you. I'm terrible at that game. A week or two later, same thing, man. That anxiety is roaring in me. And now I'm still trying to be David to myself and encourage myself in the Lord. But I encouraged myself so much that I sent my boss an email that morning and I quit my job. Like, I just knew I wasn't meant to live in this. This wasn't the place where I was supposed to live. And I say all that to simply say, that husbands and wives, your best support sometimes is standing right next to you. Even when I was fearful about going to her about the money, she was there and she was supportive. And I just wanted to give that testimony as just an applause to who the Lord is inside of her. She's full of the word of the Lord. She's full of wisdom. And I get so much out of just sitting with her and talking with her, and I learn a lot. So I'm asking you this morning to do one thing. Can you do one thing this morning? listen. <laughs> She's not going to be like me. You don't have to focus on that side of the room and then on that side of the room. She's probably going to stand right here for the most part, right? So Father, we just thank you for this beautiful, wonderful vessel that is about to bring the word of the Lord, God, right from the throne room of heaven. So God, I thank you that not only have you anointed her and given her the word for us in this body this morning, but you've already prepared our hearts, God, for this word. So thank you for preparing the soil of our souls to receive what she's about to plant and water inside of us, God. So we give you praise. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.
this is not my favorite spot. I'd rather be down there. I actually tried to <clears throat> pass it off, and a pastor would not allow me to. Let's go ahead and pray real quick. Abba, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, thank you for being here in this place today. Jesus, walk as a lampstand amongst us this morning, bringing in your wisdom, your understanding, your might, your counsel, your strength, your spirit, your knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. Deposit within us, Holy Spirit, that which you have for each heart that is longing for you today. For all power and glory is upon you. I bow before the feet of my Father, placing my crown before him. Flow through, Holy Spirit, how you desire. Make your face shine in this place. Make yourself famous. Thy will be done today. Thy will that is in heaven, I pull it down that it might be here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. So I normally do not have a title, but he gave me one this time, actually almost before he gave me um, the message. It's he's holy, I'm holy, and you're holy. So uh, this is an extensive word, holy, holiness. And we're not going to be able to camp anywhere real long today because of how massive holiness is. But quickly, I do want to, and I apologize to Jason back there because I gave him like a hundred scriptures. I said, I'm sorry that you have to input all of these and I may not use all of them. And I didn't give him this one, but we all know it. It's Isaiah 6. It's Isaiah's version, uh, his vision. In the year of King Uzziah, death, his death, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, exalted with his train of his robe filling the temple. The seraphim stood above him, and each having six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And the one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his, of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Isaiah said, I'm ruined. I'm ruined because he saw the Holy One. The holiness of God. And in Revelations, they're gathered around the throne 24-7. That's where we lay our crowns, because there we see the angels and all the elders calling out and singing 24-7, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come. Now we're going to go to Ephesians 1-4. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us, and he chose us in Christ to be holy, without fault, 
in his eyes before the foundations of the world. Not only did he love us, but he already made us holy then. Because like I said, he's holy, I'm holy, you're holy. Christ is within you. You are holy. So that, that word, without fault, means he has reconciled you through his death, through his resurrection. And so before the Father, you come blameless. You come covered in the blood of his Son. He doesn't even smell you coming. He only smells his Son coming, the fragrance of his Son So I have a few meanings here of holiness, and I'll give you some throughout. Holiness means not only sanctified, separated unto God, but also different, distinct from everything that is common. Only God is different and distinct from all things. His holiness, he is holy because his holiness is his nature. He chooses us that we should be holy. And he makes us holy by imparting himself, the Holy One, the Holy One that we see in heaven, the Holy One that resides within us. The Holy One, he imparts himself into our very being, that our whole being would be permeated and saturated by his holy nature because he is holy. We are holy. What I found throughout digging is holiness is an identity that we live from. It's part of the life back here. Holiness is the identity that we live from. It's Christ in us because he's the one that's holy. It's the fullness of him in each of us. It's experiencing who he is. It's not us working anything out, but it's us experiencing him. It's him who changes us and that as we experience in him is what changes what we do, what we say, how we live. Who you identify with is what you will live out. Who you identify with, your identity, that's your identity, is what you will live out. An identity, to identify, is to make to be the same. To unite or combine in such manner that the outermost, the purpose or the intent, intention is the same. So we are to be united to be one, to be the same, to try to be the same as him. We want to be more like him. 
So don't let your past or your flesh or the enemy come speak in your ear that you're this, that you're that. Like Wes said, we have to stand. Stand on the word. Stand on what he has told us, who he has told us that we are. Because out of that is what's going to flow. If it's things that we've gathered from the world, the world's going to flow out of us. So we want to be careful what's flowing out of us. So if we see something that's not like him flowing out of us, we need to go back and sit at his feet. Who are we identifying with? The world or our king? The enemy's always trying to dirty up the waters, give you a lie. And we exchange our truth way too often for a lie. Take that lie. You have the armor of God on. You have the belt of truth. Take that lie and pull it up and put it underneath that belt and let it be exposed for what it is. And then walk in the truth, your identity of who you are in him. Because your identity empowers your obedience. If you don't know who you are in him, him in you, the Holy One in you, how can you be obedient to Jesus? As pastor said, obedience is the Father's love language. So don't let the enemy say things in your ear that are not true. Pull them up and let the belt of truth expose it. Our culture has a whole lot to say to us. <laughs> really, we should forget our culture. Jesus said, you're in the world, but you are not of the world. He was in the world, but he was not of the world. The culture is the world's. If you are born again, the Holy Spirit is within you. You have a new culture. It's the kingdom culture, Jesus's culture. That's what we want to live out. That's what we want to show others is the kingdom flowing through us. His kingdom is holiness, righteousness, peace, and joy. Let's make sure that's what's coming out. Romans 14, 7, and I'm taking this out of the Aramaic Bible. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's the righteousness and the peace and the joy and the holy in the spirit of holiness. And again, what the Father said is holy. The enemy is right behind him, right behind him in true fashion saying, no. This is the what you should do. He's always a counterfeit. He's always trying to do the exact opposite with a nice little twist on the truth that is, seems right, but it's not right. It's a counterfeit. 
because the world will tell you, you get yours, you do what's best for you, you do whatever you need to do, and don't worry who's in your path, just walk over them. But that's not the culture of our kingdom. We can't afford to allow the enemy to define holiness to us. Holiness lives inside of us. It's in us. The throne room is in us. He brought to mind um, the story of in Daniel when um, Babylonia, King Nebuchadnezzar had taken uh, over Israel and he said, go out and get all of the wise young men from everywhere, including of the Israelites. And he brought them in and he said, I want them to be strengthened with my table, my table. I want them to eat from my table. The choicest meats, the choicest uh, fruits, vegetables, you name it, and his wine. And Daniel said, went to the one that was in charge of them and said, we can't. We can't do this. And he said, if you don't eat from Nebuchadnezzar's table, it'll be my head. Well, Daniel thought, oh, well, my head's staying right here too. But he said, listen, let's try this out for two weeks because they actually did it for three years. So let's try this for three weeks. You just give us the fruits and the vegetables. And we'll be just as strong, if not stronger, than everybody else. And so they did that, and it was found to be true. So they're, they're walking along, and now all of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar has built this big gold statue of himself. And the only thing I could ever keep seeing when I, when I read about Daniel is veggie tails, the big bunny, gold bunny, bow down to it. That always comes to my mind. And it's there now. It's like, oh, Lord. <laughs> but in Daniel 3, 15 through 18, he says, Now, if you're ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the alir, the bagpipe, and all kinds of musical instruments, fall down and worship the statue that I have made very well. But... If you do not worship, you will immediately be thrown into the midst of the furnace, a blazing fire. And what God is there that can rescue you from my hands? I, God probably just thought, wait, buddy, you just wait. What God can rescue them from my hand? My sons have been eating from my table. They've been eating from me. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not in need of an answer to give you concerning this matter. But if it be so, our God in whom we serve is able to rescue us from the furnace of the blazing fire. He will rescue us from your hand, O king, even if he does not. Let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods nor worship the golden statue that you have set up. 
that, the holiness of eating from the higher table, and what is set before us out in the world right now is going to need to be our resolve walking forward out these doors today. We will not bow down to another God. We will not follow what the world says to do. They knew they had been set apart. Israel was a set apart nation. And they knew it. And they knew that even if God didn't save them from that fire that he was well able to, that they were still going to serve him and they were going to see him face to face meeting up with him if that was needed because they didn't bow. So Nebuchadnezzar says, make that fire as hot as you can and throw them in. And he, one of the guards, dies trying to get them in because the fire is so hot. Nebuchadnezzar comes and he sees the fire. And he said, didn't we just throw three of them in there? But yet there's a fourth. And they're not bound anymore either. Daniel 3, 26 through 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar came to the door of the furnace of the blazing fire. He said, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, come out. You, servants of the Most High God, come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out in the middle of the fire. And the straps and the perfects and the governors and the king's council gathered together, and they saw the fire had no effect on the men's bodies. And their head, hair, had not, a hair on their head had not been singed, nor their trousers were damaged, nor had even they smelled of smoke. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angels, rescued his servants, and put their trust in him, violating the king's command and surrendering their bodies rather than the service or worship to any God but their own. Now the king knew that they were set apart as well. That's just an example for us to remember as we move forward. Some things, other countries, it's cost them their lives to not bow down, to not do unholy things. They showed the holiness through them and it cost them their lives. That may be here. 1 Peter 2, 12, or 9 through 12. But you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, and spiritual nation, a holy nation, set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders through the world. That's part of our identity is who we are, broadcasting his holiness through the world. 
For one time you were not God's people, but now you are. One time you knew nothing of God's mercy because you hadn't received it yet, but now you are drenched with it. My divinely loved friends, since you are resident aliens and foreigners in this world, I appeal to you to divorce yourself from the evil desires that wage war within you. Live honorably lives as, we mix, as you mix with unbelievers. Can we be seen as his and not an unbeliever? Can an unbeliever tell that we're his? So we have to live in such a way that the world does not for the unbeliever to notice. So we cannot mix with what they are doing. Even though they accuse you of being evildoers, for they will see your beautiful works and have a reason to glorify God in the day that he visits us. So if holiness is the identity that we live from, the calling that we live out, how many of us are trying so hard to get something that we already have? You can't make yourself holy. You already are holy because he's holy because he lives within you. Holiness lives within you. Adam and Eve, they were trying to get something they already had. In the garden, the enemy came. Genesis 3 and 5, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. What a filthy lie. They were already just like God. But they took it hook, line, and sinker. I've always said I wanted to give a talk to Eve when I get up there. I have to give it to her because I'd have probably done the exact same thing and everybody had been saying, I'm going to talk to Stacy when I get up there. But they were all ready, holy. They were walking in the garden with him. And they were trying. Now the enemy says, you got to try to do this. You got to do this. They didn't realize that they were already holy. They already had it. I found uh, this uh, little story, and I wanted to uh, share it. It was from Martin Luther. Said, uh, it was another gentleman that he was talking with. He said, he describes the condition of a patient who is mortally ill. The doctor proclaimed that he had medicine that would surely cure him. The instant that the medicine was administered, the doctor and the patient, the doctor declared that the patient was well. At the instant, the patient was still sick, but as soon as the medicine passed through his lips, entered his body, the patient began to get better. So it is. When we confess our sins, we receive Christ. As soon as he comes into us, 
We are cured of death. We are made holy. Now, it's, it's similar to sanctification. You were saved yesterday. You're saved today. You'll be saved tomorrow. You were holy yesterday. You're going to be holy today, and you will be holy tomorrow. And again, it's not because of anything that we do. It's the holiness of him living in us. Leviticus 19 and 2. Speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel so that you say to them, you shall be holy. For I am the Lord your God, am holy. And Leviticus 27 and 8. You shall consecrate yourself before, therefore, and be holy. For I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my statutes and practice them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You're holy now. All you have to do is walk it out. We're walking out our salvation as well. First Peter 1, 13 through 16. I forgot to write this one down, so. So then prepare your hearts and your minds for actions. Stay alert and fix your hope firmly on the marvelous grace that is coming to you. For when Jesus Christ is unveiled, a greater measure of grace will be released to you. As God's obedient children, never again shape your lives by the desires that you followed when you didn't know better. You followed the things of the world when you didn't know better. If you are in Christ, you now know better. So follow the things of him. The enemy will keep trying to bring you back here, but now you know better. Instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One who has called you. For the scripture says, you are to be holy because I am holy. Hmm. That is from the Passion Translation. And there is a breakdown of that word, holy. Everything about God is holy. True holiness It's true holiness. It includes justice, mercy, truth, and righteousness. To be holy is to be absolutely devoted to God and all that we do. So our holiness comes from within, right? It's him. He's our holiness. If we are absolutely devoted to him in everything, it's going to come out of us. Demonstrating who he is to the world. Holiness surrounds God's throne. We are seated with him in heavenly places. The Hebrew word for holy is set apart. And we are a people who are set apart for God. We are not a people set apart for the world. 
We're not a people set apart to do what they want us to do or what our flesh wants us to do. We are a set apart people for God, for his purpose through us to shine out through the world. He could have saved us and just taken us to heaven, but it's not an insurance ticket. It's not a ticket from heading to the fire. That's not what it is. It's about living in the kingdom. If we don't learn how to live in the kingdom now, what are we going to do in heaven? It's all about him. It's all about him in heaven. As God is set apart from all gods, there's no God like him, not one. You can't find one God like him. Grace is embedded into holiness, into our lives. And we are to make right choices and to yield to Christ in this world as he lives in us. Holiness is not merely actions that we perform, but it's what we absorb and manifest as we live out our lives in him. So what are we absorbing? Are we absorbing more of him and manifesting that holiness out to the world for the world to see? Or am I absorbing more of Stacy? So I'm manifesting Stacy out to the world. They don't need another Stacy which makes me a little God. They don't need another God. They already have enough of their own. They need Jesus. They need to be able to see our holiness, which is him. Absorbing more of him that we can manifest him. It's him in us and through us. He doesn't call us to be something that he is not. He didn't say, hey, I want you to be holy now. Go figure it out. It's not what he does. It's because he's already holy. And all we have to do is what he shows us to do. It was such an awesome um, reminder Wednesday night with uh, Brother Byron. Pastor wanted him to speak a message that he had given before. And it's from Andrew Walmack. And it's on body, soul, and spirit. And there was up on the screen, because some of it was a video, um, it shows your body. It showed three person, right? Your body, your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, and then your spirit. It shows your body looking into a mirror. It's your flesh. Most days, we find our soul facing our body, which is facing the mirror, which is our flesh. But our body is supposed to be facing our spirit man, which has been made new when Christ came and infilled us. He made our spirit man new. 
Everything from God flows through his spirit into our spirit into our soul. Everything we think, that's how, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we must be faced, our, our spirit, our soul must be facing our spirit. That is how we are led by the Holy Spirit. You can't be led by the Holy Spirit facing your body, facing your flesh. I was talking to somebody a few days ago. I said, you know, holiness is really so simple, but we've made it so hard. People like to stay away from it because they think to be holy, you have to be perfect. Guess what? We already are perfect. He made us perfect. That very first scripture shows he already made us perfect before him when we accepted Christ. We are blameless before the Father now. We are already perfect. Do we walk out perfectness? No, because we are of human. We do fall occasionally. But now that you know better, you get up. You don't lie in that mud. You get up. You don't sanitize yourself. You go take a full bath in the river. Let him wash you in the word. And get back out there. Holiness is too easy. It's him and us. It's him working through us. All we have to do is allow him to do that. That means our responses being what he would respond. I really don't like going back to those years where it was, what would Jesus do? But sometimes it works. Holy Spirit, what would you do in this moment? Because I'm about to come out of myself here. I don't want to lose you, Holy Spirit, but what, what do you want me to do in this time? So that we are showing him, his holiness to those out here and not something else. The main part of our holiness comes from we are his altar and he is the fire. And we are to burn with one passion for him. And if he is our one desire, it's going to make it a whole lot easier to walk out holiness. Because if our desire is to have the absolute best job that I've always wanted the entire world. Really, what good is that going to do me? If he blesses it to you, okay. But that should not be your heart's desire. Your heart's desire should not be a spouse if you're not married. Your heart's desire should not be that brand new car or brand new house or a promotion, or whatever. Our heart's desire should be his desire to burn with fire and be one with him. There are, and I, I, he wouldn't let me go into this, but I am going to go ahead and, and say it. 
There are two brides. There are two brides. Only one of them is coming back for his bride. There's a harlot bride, and there's the holy, consecrated bride that has been set apart. You must choose which you are. Hebrews 4 and 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and the joints and the marrows and the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. For the sword is two-edged. That means it has two mouths. Two-edged sword has two mouths. Do you know what those two mouths would be? Your mouth and God's mouth. Whatever he speaks, you come into alignment with it and you speak it. That is the two-edged sword. Coming into alignment with what he speaks. His word comes down like the rain but it comes down and it is accomplished. Everything he sent it to do, it will accomplish. It will not go back to him void. If he said it, it's true because he's not a man that should lie. Therefore, you can line your mouth up with his mouth and speak that forth and it will go forth and it will accomplish what he is desiring to accomplish in you and through you. You know, he brought, I was thinking about this, Egypt, the, the people of Israel were his people. They were a set-apart nation, and all the other nations knew that. They knew that. But they were stuck in Israel, right? Or, I mean, they were stuck in Egypt. He separated them from Egypt. Egypt has been known as a symbol for the world. He took the Israelites out of Egypt. He separated them. He needed them to be separate. He's calling his bride to come out, be separate, be separate from them. One last thing, I have more, but I believe the Holy Spirit wants to stop after these last few. Colossians 3 and 2, set your affections on things above, not on the things of the earth. That's the King James Version. The Passion Translation is this, yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm, and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. It is so easy for us to look out and to see and to be distracted. I'm a person that I need to sit really close to the front because I get distracted easily. So if I'm distracted easily in the natural, that's probably true in the spirit as well. So that's why our thoughts are to be in the heavenlies, to be feasting at the higher table. I didn't put this version down, but 
Well, it is the King James. It says, set your affections on things above. That word affection from the Noah's 1828 is the state of being affected. So set your affections on things above. If you are setting your affections on the natural realm, you are going to be affected. If you set your mind on things above, you are going to be affected. One is good, one is not so good. It also means passion. Again, there's that passion to be one, to burn for him. It also means a bent of mind towards a particular object holding a middle place between disposition, which is natural, and passion, which is excited by the presence of its exciting object. Affection is a permanent bent of the mind. So let's set our affections on the things above, a permanent bent of our mind on him. Again, we set our affections on a lot of things that are not of him. Our eyes must be set on him to see his face alone. So let's go ahead and look at the next verse, Colossians 3.3. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life. Did you hear that? Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life. He severed it. He put holiness within you. He set you apart to be like him, to show himself to the world. And now your true life is hidden away in God and Christ. So he severed that ungodly soul tie that was tied to us, the world. We're found in him. We no longer are pulled by the world. Don't go back and try to retie that tie. It will only bring pain and anguish. But move forward, the Christ in you. Don't be aligned with this world. You didn't know better then when you were in the world and of it. Now you do. Instead, call yourself. He's calling you. You call you as David did, speak to yourself back into alignment, the plumb line of Christ. John 12, 25. He who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life. But the one who detaches his life from the world and abandons himself to me, will find true life and enjoy it forever. So let's just remember that this is an identity that we live from. It is who we are. He said, I am holy, therefore you be holy. 
absorbing more of him, nothing else. All we need is Jesus. The last card, you're in a poker game. The last card you need to be holding is the one that says Jesus only. Absorb him. So it's him that is manifested out through the rest of the world. If you do that, you have placed Jesus high and lifted up. And he said, when I'm high and lifted up, I can draw all men unto me. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for what you have done here today. Lord, you know every heart that is in this place. You have reigned as you always do. You have reigned down on this place. And I ask that the seed would be covered and that it would be watered, that it would not be under a tent, that there would be no clouds in its way, that an umbrella is not put over the seed, but we seal that seed. And we thank you that your Holy Spirit reign in true fashion will bring life from that seed. A tree will sprout. It will grow strong and it will grow sturdy and fruit will come. And we thank you that that fruit that comes, it will remain. For we hide your word in our hearts, O God. We thank you for Holy Spirit that you have put a ring on our finger you are our seal that we are waiting for our God our bridegroom to come back but I pray that we're just not sitting and planning the wedding because you have already planned the wedding that we would be out busy gathering the guests that you have to sit at your table your wedding table We thank you for who you are. And we know because your word is said that your glory will fill the earth just as the waters. So we thank you. We adore you, Father. We give you honor and glory for who you are because there is none like you. There is none above you for you are holy we will forever call out unto you, holy, holy is our God, holy, 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 our mighty God, the one who is and is to come. In Jesus' name, amen.